Well, we're working our way through 1 Thessalonians, and last week was sort of an interesting thing. I planned on going on on Sunday, started out on Sunday night, went to Sunday morning for several weeks. Lord bumped it back to Sunday night, and so now we continue on on Sunday night. And we dealt with some interesting verses last week in, in the idea of leadership that we, if you remember, we talked about that we are to remember and respond to those that labor over us. And then we're to esteem them highly for their work's sake. That's in verse 12 and 13. Verse 14, there was a dealing within the church of warning some people and comforting and encouraging other people. And, and that's found in verse 13, verse 14. But then the bottom line of verse 14, be patient to all men. And then verse 15 Sort of the golden rule, wasn't it? See that none render evil for evil. Do unto others as you would have them do unto yourself. How do you want to be treated? We have no right. We are never to render evil for evil. Vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. We dealt with that all last week. Forever to follow that which is good, both among yourselves and among those that are unsaved. Can I just repeat that? We're to ever follow that which is good, both among yourselves and to all men. That means everywhere. And that means my enemy. I'm to wish him good. And uh, that's pretty hard sometimes. But I'm thankful God follows that rule. That's who he is. I was talking to somebody today, and how many times somebody makes a mistake and makes a mistake, how many times can you forgive them? Just think how God must feel toward us. Oh, I'm so glad God's forgiven me for the same thing over and over again. Can you raise your hand to that? I'm not going to do it again, and I do. I'm not going to act that way again. I'm not going to be that place again, and I do. And Lord, I'm so sorry. Then why would you do it? I thought God should take a whack and just like, like a whack-a-mole from head. Wham! Right on my head, you know? That's the way I feel sometimes. But we're to, we have no business... God will deal with that person. My job is to be a, a, the kind, loving person that I should be. Well, we go on with verse 16, 17, and 18. Very short verses. Uh, they, have a, they sort of have to be done in a triplet. Uh, I guess you can take them separately, but they're, they, they're, they just belong together, in my opinion. Let's look at these verses, and then we'll have prayer, and we'll get started. Verse 16, rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Heavenly Father, I pray tonight that you would help us as we preach from this passage. Help it to be practical. Help us to understand these are not loving suggestions. They are commands from heaven. George, just like we talked about in the verse preceding, they are commands from you that we be doing good to all men. Father, I pray that our hearts would fall under these things and not try to find the asterisk exception points, but to understand this is your will concerning us. Help me that I would be able to apply it, explain it in a way that would fit the hearts and the needs of this congregation. And Father, I need your anointing, your special help. Help our ears to be wide open, our hearts softened up to receive. In Jesus' precious name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Well, one thing about all three verses is they all in one form or another say the word all or always. 
Let's look at it again. Rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks. You look at the word evermore, it means ever, ever when. Whenever in any situation, all the time, evermore. You're to rejoice in everything, in just whatever comes along, ever when. In everything is the word just simple at all. Rejoice, we could just say it this way. It says, uh, uh, rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing would be our next one. What's it mean to pray without ceasing? Uninterrupted pattern, without omission, right on the dot. Don't be discouraged. Don't quit for a period of time. Sort of like like a a wave. When it's time to pray, you're going to be there to pray. You're not going to be discouraged in your praise. Pray without ceasing. You're supposed to be uninterruptedly, continually worshiping God in your prayers and giving him praise for everything he is. And then in that prayer would be that next thing, in everything give thanks, and that's the word for all, just in all. In all things, in all events, in all times, we are to, we are to give thanks. So let's go back and look at the words again. Rejoice evermore, pray, and give thanks. It just jumped out, and maybe you, you think of this like I do. Go back to the book of Philippians chapter 4, and this has a twin in the Bible Philippians chapter 4, one of my favorite passages, 4-4, four, four. Philippians 4-4. Four, four. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. That's right out of here, rejoice evermore. Just a little more words to it. The next verse, let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made unto God. Pray without ceasing. There's its twin. And then what's next? And when you pray with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. There it is. And everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. You know, that's the exact same thing that we find over here. Let's go over here and just examine this passage a little bit. Then we will come back over to 1 Thessalonians for just a moment. Notice he says in chapter 4, verse 4 of Philippians, Rejoice in the Lord always and again, I say rejoice. Whenever I see the Lord repeating himself, he's trying to make a point. Rejoice again, I say rejoice. What's it mean to rejoice? It means to find the good and the blessings in what's happening. Wonder what God has in my life, but I know God's in control. God is always good. Rejoice in the Lord always. The idea here of rejoice means to give thanks to God in a sweet way. I'm good at joy in my circumstances. Whenever I think of this, I I think of the two ladies that I met in Mexico years ago. They lived in a very humble uh, home, and I went to visit with Dr. Hodges down to see the missionary and went across the border, and we went to this home that was in a very poor part of town. The house was made out of tin tin, uh, roofing, and it was a dirt floor, and everything was up on bricks, uh, these uh, cement bricks, so that if it flooded, there would be nothing hurt. And they had just a Romex wire coming down to the one little refrigerator, and two sisters lived there. Their husbands also lived there, and their children each side. They had a a curtain that separated the house. And I can remember seeing those ladies so happy. 
And I talked to the missionary, and they said, every time that I need a volunteer, these ladies are there. They never complain. They clean the church as volunteers. They rejoice in the Lord. And I thought, they live in the hardest circumstances, but they were rejoicing. And all we have to do is have something get out of our, 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 our normal, and we quit rejoicing. He says, rejoice in the Lord always, and again, I say rejoice. When I was a youth pastor many years ago, I went on a, a bike hike. And as I went on the bike hike, there was a, I had a great time. We left about 8 o'clock in the morning to beat the heat. We got back about 1 o'clock, and one of the boys said, you know, Pastor Butts, it's my birthday. And my dad's going to take us, and we got back in time down to the, down to the river. We're in Indiana. It was the Tippecanoe River. And we went down to the Tippecanoe River, and they said, we got Ron and Charles and myself, and we could use one more person. We're going to, we're, we're going to take the canoes, and we're going to paddle down. My dad's going to pick us up downstream, and we're just going to enjoy the afternoon together. Pastor, would you go with us? I said, Sure, dear, do you mind? She said, no, that's fine. So we jumped in the car and went, and they dropped us off, and we headed down the Tippecanoe River. Well, it was in August, and it had been a dry summer, and the Tippecanoe River was not very full. About every, oh, I, I don't think 100 feet, 100 yards, we had to pick those canoes up and put them over some log, carry them and put them down. We'd bottom them out in some places, and it was, I tell you, it was the biggest pain in the neck. And it wasn't, I don't think, maybe 45 minutes to an hour in our canoeing that one of the guys flipped his boat and went in. Well, one canoe doesn't flip without the other one getting accidentally flipped. Well, it was a guy's birthday, and his whole birthday clothes, I have to be careful to say his birthday suit, his birthday clothes all went in. I mean, his new shirt, his new pants, his socks, his tennis shoes, it was all brand new. They all went in the water, and he was angry. I mean, this is all brand new. It's my birthday stuff. And he's griping and complaining, and he finally got over it. Tom, just get over it. It's done. Okay. We got down the river. Well, being so dry, carrying the boat so much, the dad was agreed just a few miles down he was going to pick us up. But, you know, a, a river goes like this. And we just didn't make much mileage. Next thing you know, it's dark. And we weren't we're anywhere near where we were supposed to be. And we looked and we could see a farmhouse way off on the other side of some cornfield. And one of us went down to there and the other three of us sat by the boats and said, have the dad see if he can get a hold of him. It's before cell phones. See if he can't get him to come and pick us up. And so we're sitting there, the three of us huddled, and mosquitoes started in. Oh, they were biting on us. And he was wet and his clothes were ruined. And he started griping. And I mean, he just started to how bad it was his birthday and he couldn't believe it and I had just preached on this passage a few weeks ago and so I said Tom rejoice in the Lord always he said shut up pastor butts there are times you don't rejoice <laughs> now the next day he apologized have you ever felt like that there are sometimes maybe you don't remind people to rejoice in the Lord always because that's what the action you're going to get you don't want to hear it because it isn't easy is it there are times it's just not easy to rejoice in the Lord always. And that's the practical truth of it. Go on, if you will, please, in, in verse uh, 5. Let your moderation be known unto all men. That is not over in 1 Thessalonians. It's something that's thrown in here. And there's a lot of truth in verse 5. What is let your moderation, let your gentleness and your evenness be known unto all men. You know, Christians, when we lose it, we're showing that we're not trusting God. 
Boy, am I preaching at Pastor Butts. <laughs> Do you ever lose it? Do you ever let your mod- lose your moderation? Do you ever lose that, you know, that nice even keel, the nice, hey, how are you doing? Rejoice the Lord always. Things come along, and you are Mr. Grump. You are Mr. Sad, you know, mean, ugly, hard to be around, snarly, bite on people. Let your moderation be known unto all men. But there's a reason. Look at the end of verse 5. He says, a reason we should, the Lord is at hand. You can take that verse in two directions. The Lord is at hand. One obvious to me is the Lord's watching. Would you act that way if the Lord was there? Huh? Lord, what are you doing? Oh, excuse me, you're God. (laughs) I I don't talk to God that way. (laughs) The Lord is there. And the Lord does hear. And the Lord is in charge. And the Lord doesn't appreciate it. The Lord is at hand. You would not act that way. And I think there's another thing for us to consider. The Lord is at hand. And that idea is, he's coming soon. we got work to do. We don't have time to stop and fight. Stop and feel sorry for ourselves. Stop sorry and, and just spend all of our time about poor me. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. We need to remember the Lord is at hand and act accordingly. Uh, I could tell you many stories about people that change their behavior when they think somebody's watching and when they don't think somebody's watching. Kids behave. When mommy and daddy are watching, they act one way. Mm -hmm. We could go on, could we? The Lord is at hand. So then he says in verse 6, be careful for nothing. And here, this is the part that's connected with prayer. Be careful for nothing. That idea of be careful, it means to be anxious, care-filled. Be careful for no thing. Not just some things, not when it gets to some level. We are to be anxious about nothing. But it doesn't stop there. We're not, okay, I'm just supposed to go through life and pretend like nothing bothers me. When I start to get care-filled and anxious, what am I supposed to do? But in everything by... Prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known unto God. See, instead of me handling it, I need to let God handle it. That's a big deal in our life. And Christians, we know this, but I wonder tonight, in our life, when we go into the other passage and it says, always, pray, with, pray without ceasing. Don't let your prayers become interrupted. Don't let situations change your confidence in God and your love for God and your worship for God and all the other things. I know people that get upset with God and stay out of church and away from God and from his Bible for days, weeks, and months. Has that ever affected you when you got into a bad situation and you were out of your Bible for a whole week? You weren't on your knees in prayer. You weren't worshiping God. You were so focused on that thing you were, you were anxious about. And I can tell you, I know because I've been there. And sometimes you just get so, so filled with all the cares of this world that you don't have time for your prayer, for your worship of the Lord. The Lord says, let my worship go uninterrupted. But instead, in everything by prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known unto God. And then he says this, with thanksgiving. And I tell you what, that goes more than rejoicing. 
The word re- to, to, to have thanksgiving there is to be grateful, to express gratitude, to actually express it out loud so that it can be heard. Be grateful. You know, Christians, we should be grateful we get up out of bed. We should be grateful we have clothes. We're grateful the car starts once in a while. Grateful for the job that we have, that we have to work so many hours about. Be grateful that we have to take online education instead of homeschool. I mean, you at the school. Praise God, we have education. Be thankful. So many times we focus on the part that we don't like. And we need to learn to give thanks. So we have a lot of songs, things like, Count your blessings. When upon life's bill is your tempest tossed. When you are discouraged, thinking all is lost. Count your many blessings. Name them one by one. There is a great encouragement in being thankful to the Lord that we are thankful to the Lord for. So he goes back and he says, and let your requests be made known unto God. God wants to hear. God is the appropriate place to take it. God can do something about it. God wants to do something about it. In another passage of scripture, he said, what father is there that when he's asked for bread or food or anything like that, he enjoys supplying the needs of his children. God's waiting for us to ask. So we ask and then we're thankful for what God does in our lives. What's the result? The result is verse 7, and the peace of God, which passeth understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds. Over in 1 Thessalonians, you don't need to turn there, but in verse 23, the other things that are added, uh, quench not the spirit, despise not prophesying. When we get to verse 23, he says, and the very peace of God sanctify your heart. When we learn to trust God, the result is peace in our heart. And when you have peace, you can sleep. You don't have to worry about the stock market. You don't have to worry about COVID. You don't have to worry about anything else. God's will is being accomplished. And the very peace of God, there's turmoil in the family. There's turmoil in the marriage. There's turmoil with a child. There's turmoil with a bill. There's turmoil with some sort of announcement that's come across and we're all concerned about it. We need to learn to take it to God and the peace of God that passes understanding. Listen, Christians, when we learn to practice these three alls, we are well on our way to a peaceful heart. I have been having some issues afresh with my heart that I've been dealing with, so I've been had to get a cardiologist appointment. When I went to the cardiologist, he said, two to two and a half months out. I said, what? What are you talking about? Two to two and a half months. I went in and they wanted to do some certain tests. They said, this test is going to be a month and a half before we can give you the equipment. I said, what are you talking about? A month and a half? I'd gone through this before. We're talking about maybe wait a week. They said, all of the concern and the angst of COVID has filled the cardiologist's office everywhere. There's no peace at heart. I would dare say that in our own church family, I have nobody to particularly pick at, but I wonder how we have treated COVID when you put it on these three alls. And let's go back over there for just a moment, over into 1 Thessalonians. (laughs) 
I wonder how we've reacted to something just as simple as COVID. Have we rejoiced in it? I didn't hear any amens. Yeah, right. Rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord always. Amen, COVID. My job, I lost it. Amen. Yeah. Pray without ceasing. Now that one we might have done. But you know, often we think of pray without ceasing. We're thinking to pray about everything. But as I studied out this idea of the word unceasing, that word just means an uninterrupted pattern. That's what it means. And I think that is concerning. When we get so uptight with God that we just don't even talk to him, we're sort of trying to handle it ourselves. We're frustrated. Pray without ceasing. My worship is uninterrupted of God. I think that's really what the praying without ceasing is more talking about. In everything, give thanks. All the implications of COVID. COVID, in this case that I'm using it, 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 I I had a roommate that was was in accounting. And his senior year, he had to take taxation. He had to take different things where he had to do these, and they would, they would call them practice sets. I look at some of you that are in accounting out there. Did you have to go through this? They, you would have to go through these different things, and they were just little teeny things that you had to crunch the numbers and get them in certain places, in certain places, and in taxation, you had to come out with the same within a certain number of dollars of the, and they were all uh, that the instructor got, and they were all just practice sets for the real world you're going to live in. When you got out there, you then are away from the practice sets, and so now you're in the real deal. And you should be able to take all those numbers and plug them in the right place and take the person's taxes and get them in a reasonable savings, and you should be able to do it for real. Could I say that COVID is nothing but a practice set for us? More than likely, most of us are going to go through a lot worse things than COVID. Somebody may, before the end of the year, somebody may go to an office and get a doctor's report that says, you've got cancer. I think that would be a little harder than COVID's in the area. Somebody may, before the end of the year, have a child that runs away from home. I think that would be just a little worse than COVID. We might have somebody that has an accident. I had a young man, I I think I mentioned this recently, sat in my office and he was talking about all the things that had happened and he had lost three relatives in an accident and, and then he had had somebody die and then his sister passed away and then he had a relative. After all that happened, a relative just died of COVID and he couldn't sleep at night. He couldn't get his breath. I think that would be a lot harder than just hearing, oh, COVID's around. See, COVID is really just one of those practice sets in our life for us to really sort of trot it out, have the implications come. How did I react? Oh, boy, I can do a lot better. And God brings things in our lives. I honestly believe that God brings us no more than we can bear, 1 Corinthians 10. And the Lord says there's always a way through. that We've got to learn to trust God. And everything with prayer and thanksgiving, we trust our Lord. 
and the Lord will give us the peace that we have. Back in Philippians chapter 4, he says that he'll guard our hearts and our minds. And there are times that when we don't practice it God's way, we'll feel literally like I'm losing my mind. And I've had so many people say something like that on the phone or at their door or in my office. Pastor, I think I'm losing my mind. That's an indication you're trying to handle it without God's help. God wants to bring you and I, if we will practice these verses, to a point where it's just the most natural thing to be at peace in the midst of the worst storm. I hesitate to use this, but I will because it's been a blessing to me. I'm so thankful I married the wife that I did. My wife was raised underneath, reared underneath Dr. and Mrs. Hodges, lived in a ministry by faith. She's the only child. I know that spoiled her, but she... uh, now, they, many times, the only thing that they had in their ministry was an offering that would be taken if they were able to have the rally on a Friday, and they would count the offerings and see if they could pay the bills. And they lived a life of faith for years. And when we got married, and we would run up against different times where I didn't see my wife would say, that's eh, nothing. I've been there before a lot of times. God always supplies. You know, when you do, when you learn to trust God, and you keep trusting God, and God just keeps bringing other things, and can put you in circumstances to trust you by faith, I tell you what, it's amazing the peace that you can have when everybody else doesn't have it. People look at you at work. Why aren't you pulling your hair out with all the things you're saying? God's in, God's in control. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Years ago, there was a lady that had an accident in our church. She had, uh, uh, she had this accident. And she got out, and, and the preacher, we had just preached on this verse, and, and she got out, and she's, the person, are you hurt? No. She, well, my car is pretty brained up. Rejoice in the Lord. Praise God. She said, are you okay? Thought maybe she was in shock. Rejoice in the Lord always. Clyde Naramore, don't necessarily endorse all of his psychology, but Clyde Naramore years ago was a young Christian psychologist coming out of California, getting his, getting his uh, experience traveling around to different places. And he was called, I believe it was in the North Dakota or someplace like that, and to go to this, this psych- psychology hospital, to this ward. And they said, we're glad you're here because we have a woman. And this lady, we think that there's something... We just can't crack her. There's, there's something wrong. She's a Christian, but, but we think maybe you could identify with her. And he said, well, give me your case file. And he read it. She, she was the wife of a young doctor that had an amazing career in front of him. The whole families were doctors in front of him. And that husband got cancer. And within just a few short months, he was gone, died. The funeral, she smiled. She was rejoicing. She was rejoicing in his death. And she went on to rejoicing. And the family, the unsaved family, had her put in the psychology department and into the psycho ward. She's got to grieve. She's got to cry. And she so declined. She said, my husband and I were both Christians. We both figured this is the will of God. We had done what was right. We trust the Lord. He's with the Lord. I'm going to meet him. Praise the Lord. He got to go first. 
went out and he said to the people, let her out. She's practicing the Bible. She's living with Jesus. She's trusting him. You know, Christians, the truth is most of us would be grieving for months and years afterwards. But this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. So let's go back to 1 Thessalonians, please. Rejoice evermore. Are you rejoicing tonight about things in your life? Are you celebrating God's hand in your life? I know people that have had to move from other states and be brought to Houston, and they say, how can you rejoice over that? Paul said, in whatsoever state you are in to be content. Man, I can't wait to get out of here. When I make enough money, I'm going back. That sounds a little bit like the children of Israel got out in the middle of the troubled land and, and they wanted to go back to slavery. I don't know how that happened. You know. Rejoice evermore. We are to rejoice. Pray without ceasing. Have you kept an uninterrupted worship of God going forward in the good and the bad? Do you get up and spend time with God? And you know, one of the things that almost always we learn in having good devotions, you take all kinds of acrostics, pray, P-R-A-Y. The P uh, starting uh, a good pray time with God is praise. Repent, ask, yield, just in case somebody wonders what the others are. Praise. Can you start your prayer time with rejoicing? And do you have a time of praise, God? When I was a child, I know this isn't the greatest prayer, but how to start a prayer before you go to God is good, God is great, and we thank him. That's the way our prayer should always start. Lord, we love you. You're in charge. We are, we are thankful for all that you do. We worship in our prayers uninterruptedly. We are in contact with the Lord unceasingly. There's no event that makes us doubt the hand of God. We are praying and worshiping without ceasing in everything. Give thanks, for this is the will of God for Christ Jesus. You know, this idea of the will of God the word the will of God is a stronger idea than just the will. It is the word, it's, it's sort of lengthened, and it means, for this is the determination. If you take your notes, write this down. For this is the determination, this is the choice, this is the purpose, this is the decree, this is the desire, this is the will of God. Boy, as I started to study that word out, it's bigger than just this is the will of God. This is God's choice for me. God put me right where he put me. Why was I at that intersection and had to get T-boned by somebody? This is the choice of God. Do you believe that? That's hard to understand. This is the determination. 
God is looking at the grand scheme of his will, his kingdom, and all these different people, and he has determined this place for you and this thing and these events at this part of your life, at this age of your life, he has determined this choice for you. This is his purpose. Purpose gives a little more stronger, doesn't it? God has a a design in that in my life. God put me where he put me for his design. He wanted me here going through this, or he wants me in heaven sooner than I thought I should go. God has a purpose in this thing. I don't know all the things that God knows, but God has a purpose. And this is God's decree. That reminds me that God is king, and he is Lord. And God has decreed, this is what's best for me, and this is what's best for his kingdom, and God the king has decreed, this is going to be in my life, and who am I to kick against him? It's God's decree. And then I like the word, it's his desire. There's a song I learned when I was in campus, boy, my desire to be like Jesus. My desire to be like him. The desire speaks of this is what God wishes for me. God's desire for you is that circumstance in your life. But this is the will of God. They are all equal words. They're all equal to translate. But it has all these different ideas. For this is the will of God. But then it puts another little prepositional phrase, will of God, look look in your Bible, what's next? In Christ Jesus. For when I accepted the Lord Jesus Christ, God made me then a soldier of the cross, did he not? And in Christ Jesus, God has a will for his children. We are soldiers of the cross. We are, we are children of his. We are, we're, he cares intimately like we're sons of God. And God loves us intimately. This is the will of God in Christ Jesus. God loves us like his own son. And he's allowed this, decreed this, determined this, purposed this in my life. He's desired this for me. This is what he's appointed for me. I am not a five-point Calvinist. But I do believe God has total control over everything. You say, boy, those are hard to get together. That's another message. Can I tell you what? God has a perfect design for you in Christ. I, I, sometimes people ask me the question, Why? Am I God? I don't know. But I do know God, and I do know that God is good. And I know God's never out of control. And I know God's purposes are way beyond my purposes. And many of the counsels of God go from eternity past to eternity forward. And here I am, some little dot on the bottom of a page. But it's important to God. And he's framed it for you and me. It's God's will in Christ Jesus. And then you take that word concerning. That word concerning is a little preposition. It's the word ice, E-I-S. And it means almost always it's translated in most situations into. 
It's something, it's God's will. And if you take preposition, you always look at the direction. This is God's will in Christ Jesus into you, concerning you. God has directed this will into your life. Isn't that interesting? God, this is not an accident. So I just had one. It wasn't an accident. It's God's will on Christ Jesus into you. It's the idea when often you translate that little preposition, it has the idea connected with a lot of other words, purpose. This is God's will in Christ Jesus purposing toward you. It's his intent toward you, into you, for you. It's not an accident. Often, when you take an item and it comes off of a conveyor belt, it goes into a warehouse, you choose your favorite little place, Walmart, Sam's, Costco, Amazon, someplace, okay? Millions of them. Same little item, they're going to be sold. But you know those items go all over the world. One item comes out, and it's never used. It's just sit ready to be used. Some are there ready to be used, and they're thrown away not used. Some are used and 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 used until they fall apart. Some are respected, and oh, this is our family heirloom, and the others are sort of, huh, toss it away. Some are filled, some are half-filled, but all those same items have many purposes. You know, as we look at God bringing you and I into our life, and God brings us into this world, and God has different purposes for all of us. That's sort of hard to understand, isn't it? But God has designed, and for some people it seems like they're multi-used, half-used, part-used, used once, filled up, half-filled. But God puts them where he wants them to be used. Some people are born in the United States. Some are born in the Philippines. Some are born in India. Some are born, you name your place, okay? I don't want to leave you out. But God puts it wherever he wants to, to be used by who he wants to. And God puts you where he wants you to be born. Soldiers. Let's think of soldiers for a moment. Think of the purpose of a soldier. What's a soldier do? He serves at the behest of the commanding general. Boy, many stories when I was younger, I like to watch World War II stories, and they were always on these big walkie-talkie things like this, and they're trying to get ahead of hold of headquarters. Where do you want these troops? Quickly, get those soldiers over here. No, take them over here. No, get them over here. And they're trying to outmaneuver their flanks and getting all, and they're, and they're trying to get ahead of the army. And, of course, they've got eyes here and there, and the general's trying to bring it all together. Yeah, that's sort of a picture of God, isn't it? What's the soldier? He's just doing the will of God, being brought into action. And I don't understand always what God has in my life, where he wants me to sit. Maybe he leaves me in Katy, Texas my entire life. I never leave here. I always go to Westside Baptist Church, and that's just where I exist. Or maybe I've been in a different church every year all my whole life. All over the world, bounce like some sort of a bouncing ball all over the place. You know what? That's God's business. 
But I do know this, that wherever I go, I ought to serve. I have no business to stop praying. I have no business to stop rejoicing. I have no business to get a sour attitude. I give God the glory in his will in Christ Jesus concerning me. I look at a chessboard. And you look at all the different pieces of the chessboard. And, you know, when you look at chess, what are they all trying to protect? And who are they? they they're all these they have pawns that are expendable. You have knights that can move like this. You have castles. And then you got the queen. But who are they trying to protect? They all work for the king. That's the one on the board that you want to protect because if he gets checkmated, the game's over. And God is moving us. You say, well, really, Pastor? That makes me stop and think of Job. Just think how God looks at it from heaven. And it talks about the courts of heaven way back thousands of years ago. Job was one of the very first books of the Bible. And here we have a story of God in heaven and in walks what it looks like his three archangels, Michael, Gabriel, and somehow Lucifer has standing there. And Lucifer walks in and he says, huh, I was walking on to and fro around the earth, and I noticed one of your guys that you have overblessed. His name is Job. Oh, really? I bet you if I took everything away from him, and if, I, if he didn't have all that stuff, he would curse you. No, he wouldn't. He loves me because he loves me. No, he doesn't. Nobody loves you like that. Yes, they do. See, Lucifer didn't, but Job did. He said, well, go ahead and test him. They just killed all your oxen, all your cattle, really. They just burnt all these people. All your children are dead. All these different things. Oh, that's bad enough. Well, keep touching him. Boils from head to bottom, scraping him. Brings his friends in and says, what kind of Christian are you? You must have done something wrong. And yet, in all that, he did not criticize God. Rejoice in the Lord always. In everything... Give thanks. Pray without ceasing, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. How could Job have had any idea what was going on in the courts of heaven? I can't explain life to you. I am not that, I am not that wise, and experience won't give me that. But I do know that what God has shown us in the word of God is God wants what's best for me. My God is in control. And if I'll trust him, whatever comes out to his glory will be for the best. So what's my job? Gripe consistently. Well, I got, that's a different version. Rejoice in the Lord. Pray when you really feel like it. Go to church when it's convenient. Pray without ceasing. Only give thanks when you make money off it. 
In everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. And the very peace of God will sanctify you wholly. I would say these three little sentences, rejoicing, praying, and giving thanks, they're songs, we hear them in testimonies, they're all through. There's three little simple ribbons, little simple statements repeated in different books and different places. It's mirrored over in the book of Philippians. God is saying to his people, just trust me. Be at peace. Love me. Know I'm in charge. Keep your spirits up. The Lord is at hand. Let your moderation be known unto all men. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. Are you at peace with God tonight? What are you worrying about? What are you griping about in your heart? Have you allowed circumstances to get between you and the Lord in your prayer and Bible study life? Until you get these things rectified, you're not going to be at peace. Truth be known, I think we're a little bit like Romans chapter 7 where Paul says, that which I wouldn't do, I do. I think that these are three things that we have to go back and reassess regularly. And when we get our eyes on circumstances, we need to remind ourselves. I will admit during this COVID times and different things, people not here and different things going on, there have been times, well, Lord, where are you taking the church? What's going on? Sunday school classes empty, buildings empty. Where's our Christian school going? What do you, Lord? And yet it seems to me like God's been pretty good to all of us. And all of your worry is vain. I care not today what the morrow may bring, if sunshine or shadow or rain. The Lord I know ruleth o'er everything, and all of my worry is vain. Living by faith in Jesus above, trusting, confiding in his great love, from all harm safe in his sheltering arms, I'm living by faith. And I feel no alarm. I requested that we sing earlier today, Rejoice in the Lord. Ron Hamilton, losing his eye, not knowing he had no idea he was going to be patched to the pirate yet, wrote these words. He was discouraged, just like anybody else, coming out of surgery, cancer in the back of the eye. He lay in the hospital, and all the faculty and different friends, faculty there at Bible College of Bob Jones, started writing a letter. He's a graduate student, a promising young man, and yet he's lost his eye. Who knows where the cancer, did they get it all? All these things, I'm sure, were going through his eye, through his mind. And he started getting the letters, and they stacked up like this, and they were reading into him. And he said, they all had one theme. Rejoice in the Lord always. Trust the Lord. He's in charge. And if we look back over Patch's life, I can't think of a guy that's in music that um, in independent fundamental circles has had much more influence in the last 40 years. Can you? Can you think he's going to have more? He didn't know that when he wrote this song. And yet the second one says this, the second verse. 
he wrote this song after reading all those cards in the scripture and God broke his heart that he was feeling sorry for himself. I heard him give his testimony. He said that's why I wrote it. He wrote verse 2. I could not see through the shadows ahead, so I looked at the cross of my Savior instead. We need to get our eyes back up on Jesus. I bowed to the will of the Master that day. Then peace came, and tears led away. That's why this is such a beloved song. It's real. From the heart of a young man, 22, 23 years old, with his whole life in front of him, and it looked like it was all going to be gone, I bow to the will of the master of the day. Makes me want to weep to think about it, doesn't it, you? Makes me ashamed of myself of how I react sometimes. May these three verses be all, be all, be every time, always strengthen your heart. There are no exceptions. Trust in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. Give thanks in the Lord. Pray. Don't let your worship be interrupted. Stay sweet with God and the peace of God that passes the understanding of everybody around you will be yours. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for these three admonitions in this passage tonight. Lord, I thank you for them in my own life. Over and over again, you've reminded me. I thank you for a wife that reminds me to look to them. And I pray, Father, that we as a church would trust you in all things. Trust you with our finances. Trust you with our health. Trust you with our marriages. Trust you with our homes. Trust you with our children. Trust you with our jobs. Trust you with everything. In Jesus' name.